0: Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Well, good morning everyone. Welcome back to the Portable Pasture podcast. This is Mike Stafford, the pastor at First Baptist Church. I want to bring you another teaching today. This one's entitled Jesus Tempted, Lust of the Eyes. So if you have your Bibles and can turn to Matthew chapter 4, chapter 4, please do so. And if you're you're driving or listening to this while you're doing something else, don't worry. I'll uh, read that for you and you'll take it in completely. Today's the final teaching on the temptations of the Jesus series. Now over the past month, we've learned the the three main categories of sin, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We also learned about the progression of sin. We're we're placed into a test by God to choose rightly. Our our desire to do otherwise might well up inside of us and not until we we fail to to dismiss that thought or to act on that desire uh, do do we sin the, the Bible's very clear sin is realized when we act on our own evil desire or or refuse to dismiss that thought altogether now Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in the in that wilderness encounter he had with the devil uh he he was tempted he may have even had desire to well up in him, but neither were sin now. If Jesus would have uh, entertained the thought of that sin or acted upon it, then of course he would have been guilty of sin. But Jesus never sinned because he dismissed the temptation from his mind immediately, and he and he refrained from acting on any evil desire. Jesus was completely innocent of these temptations. Now, now Jesus was tempted by the devil in every category of sin. Satan waiting until he waited until Jesus was hungry, and he and he tempted him to turn a rock into bread. Even though the Holy Spirit had told him to fast for forty days, that was a temptation to, um, you know, to appease the lust of his own flesh. Now, eating eating bread is not necessarily bad, but but if you're eating bread to gratify your own flesh, when the Holy Spirit had told you not to eat that would be sin. That's the opposite of the command of the Holy Spirit. Now the devil took Jesus after that to a pinnacle of the temple and told him to throw himself off to test God and to force God into acting in a certain way. And if Jesus would have gone through with that, with that act, that would have been a sin of pride. In in essence, Jesus would be telling his his heavenly father what to do and he would have been forcing his hand and nobody puts baby in the corner and no one tells god what to do either and today we look at the scene where where the devil's going to take jesus to the high mountain probably the highest mountain on earth because he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and satan offered to give jesus all of them if he would just worship him and you you talk about a boneheaded temptation. I think the devil was grasping at straws here, and we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. So we know that in all three circumstances, Jesus was able to thwart those the sneaky schemes of the devil, and, and he avoided sin, and he did so by recalling the word of God and doing it immediately. That was important because I don't think desire. It may not have even had time to well up in Jesus. We, we don't know that for sure because the Bible's silent about it, but it wouldn't make sense that, that it did not well up in him because he reacted so quickly, so so decisively. So let's read today's passage. Look at verses 8 through 11 with me, or just just listen. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I have given you, if you will fall down, or all these I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So let's unpack this for a bit. I noticed one thing right off the bat. Temptation is not a one-time event. You might avoid one or even fail one, but there's always another right behind it. I've I've come to learn that the devil is a deranged, energizer rabbit. (laughs) He's never going to stop. He's on mission to cause you to fail and diminish the glory of God in your life, even if it kills him. And and honestly, what does he have to lose? He knows the end. He knows his final residence will render him extra crispy. He has nothing better to do or, or look forward than to making you fail morally. But let's let's don't blame him entirely for our continuous temptation. A lot of time there's a there's nothing outside of you to cause you uh, to cause that sinful desire to well up in you. It might come from inside of you. I heard a joke once that says a, a priest and a rabbi were were seated beside each other on a plane. And after a while, the priest turns to the rabbi and says, uh, "Rabbi, is it still a requirement of your faith that you you can't eat pork?" And the rabbi responded, "Yeah, that that's still one of our beliefs." They sat there for a second, and the priest asked him, "Well, have you ever eaten pork?" And then the rabbi sort of nods his head and bows a little bit out of shame. He said, "Yes, on one occasion, I, I did, I did succumb to that temptation, and and it tasted." it tasted good it was it was a ham sandwich and the priest nodded in understanding and and went on with his you know reading his book right there later the rabbi asked asked the priest father is it still a requirement in your church that you remain celibate and the priest the, the the priest replied yeah that's still very much a big part of our faith and the rabbi asked him well father have you ever fallen into temptation of the flesh and the priest nodded and bowed his head yes rabbi on one occasion I I was I was weak and 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 I I sinned I broke my faith and and the rabbi nodded and they were silent for about five more minutes and then the rabbi leans over and says but that beats a ham sandwich doesn't it (laughs) it doesn't matter how godly you are how much faith you have or how good you are You are going to be tempted by your own flesh. You you just can't get away from it. Your flesh is is completely sin-saturated. That's why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, For the desires of this flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. As, As long as a person has sight and flesh and pride, he's going to be tempted. Temptation is not a one-time event. The second thing I noticed is that the devil will offer you something that is not his to give. For someone so crafty, this was just a stupid move. I mean, all right, listen, I, I bought a shed one time from a business right here in town. They were they were renting a building from a man, and they had set up their business in there, and this shed was sitting outside, just, just sitting there unused. And they offered it to me for a good price, so I paid for it, asked them, uh how to you know how to get it moved and they suggested that a man in town uh did that and I should contact him and see if he would move it and so I did and and he said he'd be glad to move it and asked me where it was and I told him and he replied "Wait a minute. That's my shed." He owned the building the people were renting and he owned that shed. And the person who sold it to me told me to contact him of all people him to move it. He walked right into that building they were renting from, renting, renting from him and he made them sign over that check and he sold it to me and he moved it to my property. (laughs) It was ridiculous. The devil did the same thing to Jesus in this moment. He was bribing Jesus with his own property. He knew that Jesus was a part of the Trinity. He was was God. He also knew that God owns everything. Psalm 24, 1, the devil knows this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell therein. The devil was tempting Jesus by offering him his own stuff. All the kingdoms of the world and all the world already belong to Jesus. I I really think he was grasping at temptation straws on, on, on this one. Well, third thing that's obvious is that thinking through the ifs of materialism can lead to sin. Thinking through the ifs of materialism can lead to sin. Temptation of the eyes is a a real battle. It's a real battle for us. When we begin to imagine what life would be like if we had that particular possession, it, it, it draws us down that road. It might lead us straight into sin. You see, that's what lust of the eyes does. It focuses our attention on possessing more. We we see what others have, and we want to have it too. Sometimes we even want that exact thing, not someone, uh, not not something like someone else has, but that exact thing. That's why that commandment is, is is in the Ten Commandments. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. That sin's actually, I think that sin's actually two categories of sin. It might be that that a man might want her to satisfy his lust of the flesh, but it also me that he might want to have to her or have her so he can say, you know, this is my trophy wife. She's so beautiful. Well, both of those, both of those instances would be sin. And Jesus was successful in this temptation because he didn't wait to ponder on the ifs. He He didn't think if I get these kingdoms, I'll be rich. If I get all these people, I'll be famous. He didn't ponder on the ifs. Here's, if the ifs find a sticking place in your mind or in your heart, then you're going to entertain prolonged desires in your mind. And that's going to lead you to sin. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5 28? But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Prolonged thought of an evil desire is going to cause you to sin. In fact. Prolonged thought on an evil desire is sin. So we must deal with it immediately because if you can see it, you can be tempted by it. The fourth thing that jumps off this this uh, this passage at us is that Jesus, Jesus can tell the devil what to do. There's a, there's a common misconception out there that Jesus and the devil are, are equally as powerful and they can balance each other out. Let me tell you something. Jesus and the devil are not equal's. They're not brothers. They're not two sides of the same coin. Jesus is and has always been God. The devil is a created being, created by God. And he sinned. And he was once kicked out of heaven. And eventually, he'll be, he'll be God-handled in front of the whole world. Now, after Jesus reigns for a thousand years from the throne of David in Jerusalem, he's going to throw the devil into the lake of fire, and the devil can do nothing about it. His time will be over and Jesus will remain. They are not equals in any way. There is no yin and yang. Jesus told the devil in the wilderness, be gone, Satan. And guess what? According to verse 11, the devil left. Jesus can tell the devil what to do. And finally, finally, the, the thing that I glean from this passage is that Jesus passed the test and overcame the temptations, all of them. Jesus was victorious. The devil had no power over him. His own desire had no power over him. He consistently chose righteousness. And how did he do that? By remembering the word of God. He defeated temptation and he set the perfect example for us. He remained sinless and he became a worthy substitution for our sin debt. He died for sin that was not his. And if he had failed any of these temptations that the devil had thrown at him, all hope for salvation would have been lost. But, but thanks, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that Jesus passed these tests and overcame every category of temptation. Now let me quickly, just real quickly give you four applications from this passage, from this passage to apply to your life. Okay. There's four things that I want you to try. When it comes to dealing with the lust of the eyes, you should, you should read and memorize scripture. That's number one. Read and memorize scripture. Look, it's natural to want the things of the world. That's what lust of the eyes is. You want more and more stuff. You can't have enough stuff. You need more stuff to fill up your rented storage space. Everybody wants more stuff. That's why stores put impulse buying racks at the checkout. This is so, so cruel and yet so smart on their part because they, they understand the human nature of wanting more. For example, let's say you have a two-year-old already crying because they didn't get that new Winky Tinky toy, you know, and it costs 20 bucks and you're not paying 20 bucks for that piece of junk. It's going to break or be put into the abandoned toy pile after three minutes. So at the register, everyone's looking at you to see if you're going to lose it because your little, your little fallen angel is screaming, losing their minds, and the impulse rack is right there and is loaded with goodies, his favorite candy for a dollar ninety nine. And so you grab one and hand it to him and the little heather and start smiling and and you know, all's well. And while you're you're basking in your parental prowess you know you 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 fix the situation you notice on that same rack there's a as seen on tv display with night vision glasses that'll help you drive in the dark and you've been seeing that and you want it i mean no glare to be able to drive at night again how awesome would that be and and so you you grab it you give into the desire to have it you trick yourself into the necessity of that thing and you buy it for 19.99 that would be a good price by the way they're kind of expensive and so now you're now now you're in the hole for for 22 bucks and you get in the car you put those things on big shocker they don't work. They don't do nothing except turn everything yellow. In fact, everything's so yellow. All the way home, you slow down at every traffic light and you're in grave danger from the the drivers behind you slamming into you, slowing down at a green light. So you feel so stupid. If you had just remembered Jesus's words in Luke 12, 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If you'd remembered and quoted that verse, maybe you wouldn't have come to your senses. Maybe you would have come to your senses and, and avoided lust of the eyes. It's imperative that we read and know the scriptures. Look, a second practical application is to set your mind before, your, before you open your eyes. Set your mind before you open your eyes. If you wait until you're in the middle of a, of a tempting situation and you're waiting for that moment to decide how you're going to defeat it and overcome it, the chances are you're you're more than likely you're going to fail. This is why athletes practice their sport. They have to be ready for every situation that may occur in their sport. Likewise, you should You should anticipate various kinds of temptation and set your mind before before you get there. This This is what I'm going to do if this happens. This is what I'm going to say if I'm in this situation. Prepare. Practice. It helps you defeat temptation. A good practice to begin is to ask God for help overcoming sin before you get out of bed. That's why I say to set your mind before opening your eyes. No one gets up right away when the alarm clock goes off. If you do, you have a chemical imbalance. You have a mental illness in your life. Morning people who go and do the second that their eyes are open, they're just not right. They need medicine or at least their own padded bedroom. But most of us like to lay there just another minute longer, right? Well, in that minute, I'm saying use that minute. You know, curl up in that blanket. Tell Jesus good morning and that you love him. Ask him to walk with you today and help you to live righteously. Set your mind before you open your eyes. A third practical application is to make giving, make giving a game. Make giving a game. Apart from, from the word of God, there's nothing better at helping us avoid materialism, lust of the eyes, than giving stuff away. Giving fits in so well with our new nature as Christians. We want to please God. We want the best for others. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Even Jesus told us in the Beatitudes that blessed or happy are those that give. It's in our nature. For these reasons, give things to others. And a benefit is going to be, it's going to help you fight materialism. I say make the, the giving game a line item in your family's budget. Get the kids involved. Start small. Make, make a plan to give someone five dollars this month, either in cash or in a gift. But think it out. Make a plan to bless them with five bucks. Think about it. Pray about it. Plan for it. Make it a game. How can we do this without the other person knowing that, that it was us? How can we do this perfectly? Choose someone who needs a a quick encouragement or choose someone who has a small need. Just make a game of it. And the lessons your kids will learn from this will be life-changing. Not only that, but the simple act of giving carves away at the nagging temptation to have more. And the last application I want to give you today is, is to remember to go to your Heavenly Father. Some of you have forgotten that you can go tell Daddy. That's right. That phrase, used as kids primarily, it has ended so many squabbles among brothers and sisters. If you use that statement, I'm going to tell daddy, that will get your brother off your back and your toy back from your sister, no doubt. And if your dad's intimidating enough, using that statement, I'm going to tell my daddy, is enough to keep your friends from picking on you, or at least your boyfriend to pump the brakes in the heat of the moment, if you know what I mean. So Jesus told Satan to get out of here. And then mentioned worshiping his daddy to the devil. And guess what? The devil left town. He wasn't going to hang around there and let God come to Jesus' rescue. Look, I, I understand some of you are in, in tricky situations. You might even be in deep trouble. Your, your friends are on you about being a Christian. Your, your boss and your co-workers are on you about your righteous choices. Maybe even your spouse is mad that you won't skip a church house event. Or, or go along with their sin, and you're in, a, you're in a bind, you're in trouble. Some of you in those situations have forgotten that you can go tell your daddy. I'm quite sure that your heavenly father will be very interested in hearing what you have to say. He's going to come to the rescue, and he may not fix the situation, but he will sure ease your mind about it. <clears throat> now, not only that, but when you're tempted to buy something that you don't need, <clears throat> let me get a drink of coffee here. Mm, good stuff. Not only that, but when you're tempted to buy something that you you, you don't need, it's a, it's a good practice to go ask your daddy first. For example, God, daddy, I want this 60-inch zero-turn mower with the shock-absorbing seat and the fully automatic deck lift. I love that thing, daddy. Can I get it? Can I get it, huh? Can I get it? And then wait a minute, wait just a minute, long enough for God to spirit slap you in the back of your neck and remind you that you have a half acre lot and a paid for mower in the garage. Then you might say, you know, daddy, you're right. Guess what? You just avoided, you just avoided lust of the eyes. You avoided sin. And the lust of the eyes is defeated just like every other category of skin, of sin right It's by reading God's word, recalling it in times of temptation it's it's continual conversation with God, giving things away you can avoid temptation that leads to the to the lust of the eyes. I know it's hard, but you can do this He set you up for success. you have his spirit in you, and he is very much pro you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who are listening. And I thank you that you've given them minds to uh, perceive, uh, ears to hear, eyes to see, all those things. And God, you've given them uh, minds that can can see when temptation is occurring around them. They can actually feel the desire that wells up inside of them and you've given them a way to, to avoid it. Father, I ask that you would make every person listening to this today To get better at this. Get better at this. Father, work in all of us. And we thank you that you defeated, you defeated temptation. You defeated the devil. You defeated evil desires. You, you you did all of those things so that you could be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. For we have messed up before. We're just so thankful that you paid for it on the cross. God, I ask that you would bless every person listening today. Give them a great rest of the day and rest of the week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll come back next week, start a brand new series in Matthew. I hope you don't miss a one. It's going to be great. Have a great week. Uh, email me if you want to start an on- online conversation, mike at fbcclover.com. And until next week, have a great week. And Remember that God is pro you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed and remember, God is pro you.